Welcome to this new episode of Movie Dudes. I'm Phil. I'm Alec. And this week we're going to be talking about one of my favorite films of all time, Harold and Moe by Hal Ashby. So, um... Yeah. <laughs> should we straight up go into, like, the, the synopsis of the fi- of the film, or should we, uh... Uh, I would, I would say that's probably as good a place as any to start. Right. Um... So, Howl and Moat is a film that's about a 20-something-year-old guy named Harold, who is what I like to call a... He's a Tim Burton character before Tim Burton was a director, if that makes sense. He, he, <laughs> yeah, I can kind of see that. I can kind of see that comparison. He is a massive fan of death. Uh, he loves to see his two... Uh, biggest hobbies are one simulating suicides and two uh, going to funerals just for fun Um, and speaking of those funerals uh, at some point when he goes to one of those funerals he meets a uh, a 79 year old woman named uh, Maude who just like him also loves to go to funerals just for fun but for a completely different reason um Harold loves to, to go to funeral because of, uh, uh, you know, because he likes death and he, he, he you know, he's, he's emo <laughs> in some way. But uh, <laughs> Maude is very much like, uh, she, she thinks the, the whole circle of life thing is like very beautiful. And th- the idea of something dying so that something else can, can be born is uh, she thinks that that's beautiful and so they and end up uh, being friends and uh, through that most sort of um, tells teaches uh, Harold her way of life uh, she teaches him to be more optimistic more positive and that kind of stuff um, and well so that's kind of kind of a vague uh, synopsis, but to go into uh, hold on, I'm kind of getting lost in my thoughts. Sorry. Um, no problem. And and yeah, but meanwhile, while this is uh, happening, there's also Harold's um, Harold's mother, who doesn't know anything about uh, Harold's friendship with uh, with Mode. She she's very different from. Harold, she's a very like uh, sort of rich and fancy woman who um, she really doesn't un- understand her son, and she believes that he should um, instead of being so focused on death and faking suicides, she should be more focused on getting married. So she tries to find dates for him, uh, t- tries to set him up with a uh, with someone so he can get married. But every time. Um, Every time he has a date, he just ends up scaring her off uh, on purpose by simulating a suicide or just being weird altogether. Um, and one of the so obviously one of the reason why he doesn't like um, the, this whole dating idea is because well he he feels too young he doesn't want to be uh, to get married. But also as we figure out uh, at some point in the film. Um, Harold doesn't have just a friendship with, uh, 
with Moat. He he also starts to fall in love with uh, with her, and uh, well, yeah, their friendship basically transforms into a romance, um, and uh, so that this relation just keeps growing up until the uh, the end of the film, uh, which is Moat's 80th birthday, where she. Uh, she she takes like uh, pills to, to to kill herself, and she's uh, at some point she's like, "I'm gonna be dead by midnight," and so Harold freaks out, and gets her to the hospital, but uh, it's no use. She ends up uh, dying, and uh, this is uh, the the film basically ends with Harold um, simulating an, a last suicide by throwing his car off a um, um, off a cliff and uh, and starts playing the banjo and starts walking and that's basically how the film ends so that's a pretty vague synopsis of the film but a pretty basic explanation to understand what the film is mm-hmm. so so yeah um I guess to get into um, our thoughts yep. on the film, um, I would say I liked pretty much everything about mm-hmm. it. Um, like, really actually loved most of what was going on in the movie. The only thing, I guess, that didn't seem entirely, I guess, uh, one or not, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like, completely thought out, I guess is the evolution of uh, Harold and Maude's uh, relationship into... or uh, from uh, from their friendship into a relationship. Um, because, I, I don't know. Obviously, I could have missed something, but just uh, throughout my watching of the movie, uh, it, they ju- it just seemed like a very, you know, like a good, uh, like, friendship that kind of took a sudden turn into a romantic relationship um which seemed natural at some points but also seemed a little strange uh more towards uh harold being it it seemed like harold was more into it than maude was i guess was the Um, right is is the point i'm trying to make well i'm not sure if it's necessarily that harold was more into it than maude but it's also well obviously one the main character of the film is Harold, so obviously it's going to be more about his point of view yes. than than most point of view. And also, I feel like in general, in terms of the the, the character, um, Mo is just like, I mean, you know, ha- Harold um, hasn't really known love until he met Mode. Mode has, you know, she's been through that, and so I think it's more a question of her being like, I don't know, she she's been through this kind of stuff before, and Harold hasn't so he's more like oh what is that this is you you know right uh but i mean i i Uh, understand what you're uh what you're saying though i do i do think that is a pretty um they they go from friends to to lovers pretty quickly yeah which i mean is to be i guess expected in a movie with uh, an hour and a half Mm runtime uh which isn't a bad thing. I actually really enjoyed the fact that this movie yeah. was shorter than uh, most movies that I've seen recently because it just it gets to its point really well and it doesn't do a whole lot of uh, 
meandering, which, you know, sometimes can really hurt a movie like this. Yep. Um, but that really is only the only criticism I guess I have is that I didn't really feel the romance. Everything mm-hmm. else is, like, damn near perfect for this movie. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I really... I really, really enjoyed uh, Harold's transformation throughout the film because uh, I noticed this too while we were watching uh, Memories of Murder. It's, uh, they both have like kind of character arcs that intersect in a way Mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, in that movie, Song Kang-ho, his character starts out as a very unorthodox detective who relies very much on, uh, very much on just random chance and his own feeling rather than hard facts and the you know the other detective relies on the opposite and at the end of the movie both of them are fundamentally the opposite of what they were at the beginning yeah it's not the it's not the exact same for held in mind but it runs a similar type of character structure well, because yeah. in the beginning Harold Harold embraces death and Maud embraces life but they both end up embracing death and life in ways that they never did before because Maud obviously never doesn't appreciate life, but she gains a new appreciation for death when she decides to take control of it uh, near the end of the film. Uh, and Harold obviously gains his appreciation from for life from Maud. You know what? That... I I'm I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that one. I feel like that's um, memories of murder. If we're going with that comparison, memories of murder has a very like switching right. personality so, sort of development. While the the dynamic between uh, Harold and Maud, it's you know it's a it's a friendship. It's also a um, a love story, but it's also a I feel like it's also a story between a teacher and a student in a way. And I feel like how the, the film shows it, I feel like if it if she had never met Harold, she would, she still would have killed herself. Oh, of course. I'm yeah. not saying... Oh, all right. I, I, yeah, no, I'm not saying that it's like a perfect one-to-one similarity. I'm just saying right. in terms of how their character arcs are kind of structured, mm-hmm. it kind of like you can see you can see how both of them end up i guess not because of each other but end up uh right kind of kind of in different places i guess because right. maud is very full of life in the beginning harold is not and at the end maud embraces death and harold is like all right i can right. live now because i mean i guess that was more that was more or less what i gleaned from right. that their their respective character arcs obviously it's not opposite in terms of mod because <laughs> right. um yeah i mean i mean i feel like from the very first scene that introduces moan uh she says she she says how like the, the the guy at the funeral uh was 80 years old and she talks about it in a way that's like um i feel like it's kind of foreshadows the fact that she's gonna die on her 80th birthday because she really says like 80 is such a uh is such a good age to die and she's like it it feels like she really is fixed on that idea of you know uh being 80 and dying and i feel like that's something that also comes up uh throughout the film 
Right, yeah. I would say um, one of my... I guess this is not not really changing topic, obviously, because we're right. still in the movie, but kind of changing, mm-hmm. changing topics like of the movie, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, uh, I really liked. Uh, obviously, I loved both of their performances, but uh, Bud Court as Harold yeah. showed really incredible like lack of emotion that obviously starts to morph and change throughout the movie up until like. Obviously, throughout the movie, we get little glimpses of emotion from him, uh, but it's mainly kind of subdued. But the the biggest burst of emotion we get from him is when Maud tells him that she's going to die, and he just screams. What? Yeah. Like that. That's a great. Is such a such a crazy moment. I was like, I was like, kind of taken aback for him. Yeah. I was like, Whoa. It's like, oh shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love and it, and this is in that same scene. I guess is a different. Uh, one of my favorite lines from the entire movie is, uh, you know, he's talking to her in the ambulance, and he says like, "I like, but I love you," and she says, "Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Go spread that love." Yeah, that's such a good line. Yeah, this movie is so well written. I know, like, right? From, from the co- from the comedic lines to. The dramatic lines from literally everything about it. Like Harold's monologue, uh, when he's talking to Maud about uh you know, the time the time that uh he, you know, made that experiment and uh made people think he was dead. Yeah. Uh from that like just that monologue is one of the best single monologues I've heard probably ever. Oh yeah. I loved that. It's no, yeah, that 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 was uh, one of the things I wrote in my notes is how like the dialogues and more than the dialogues, this just the the conversations in this film are yeah. so great. It's like in a way, you, you know, you know what's another film, a romance film that has amazing conversations. It's uh bef- before that? midnight. No, is it before? Yeah, mm. uh, I have I have the before trilogies sitting on my shelf right now, just waiting to be watched. Have you, uh, <laughs> have you seen any of them? No, I've only s- I I bought them blind. All right. Oh yeah, I've only seen the first one. Uh, before before sunrise mm-hmm. is the the, yes. the film, and uh, that's the the thing that I really notice is just just how great the conversations because the whole film is just uh, both of them having a, a conversation and it's so it's so oh, that great sounds right up, that sounds right up my alley oh you'll i'm sure you'll <laughs> love it another film that's also pretty similar to that but on somehow on a somewhat larger scale is uh 12 angry men which instead of being oh, conversa- oh instead of being conversations between um two lovers it's between 12 men and uh that was one that was one of like the first uh, older movies, I guess I saw because I remember my English teacher screened it uh, in my seventh grade class, mm-hmm. and I, I like I fell in love with it. I was like, oh my god! I was like, they made movies that they. I was like, they made they made movies this good before I was born. I was like, what? Um, <laughs> out of curiosity, how many people in your class besides you liked it? Do you know that? Uh, I. I honestly don't remember, right. but if I had to take a guess, probably not much. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I just, I just remember I was like, man, this is so good. 
because I remember just going like on a small tangent, just a comparison. I had a similar mm-hmm. uh, experience when uh, I was in eighth grade, and um, for a class, for, for our French class, we had to read uh, Frankenstein, and mm-hmm. so we read it, and then. Uh, the teacher showed us the original 19- 1930s Frankenstein movie, and I loved it. I asked a bunch <laughs> of people in my class. No one liked it. Really? Yeah, and that's that's when I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of disappointed. I, mean, I was half disappointed. I was like, you guys don't know anything about movies. i had um i guess i had a similar experience and this is going completely off topic sure uh but i had a similar experience like very recently because uh -hmm. i'm obviously in my second year of uh, film school and i just we just started a class where a lot of the movies on our uh on our syllabus uh to watch in in class are uh foreign movies nice yeah i have that too obviously when i saw this Obviously, when I saw this, I was like, yeah. Um, but there were a couple people in my class that were like, uh, I don't I don't want to watch this. And, and I was like, why? And they're like, I just, I, I find movies with subtitles boring. I'm like, what? How? how? <laughs> yeah. Like, I understand it for some of the films on the list. Yeah. Uh, like, I watched, like, this, like, this past week, we watched uh, uh, The 400 Blows from Francois Truffaut classic and uh i i liked it mm-hmm. uh i didn't love it or anything but right. i thought it was a i thought it was a fun little that was a fun little movie but like i can totally see how people would get bored yeah. with that one. Oh yeah but like later on in the list oh, later on in the list we got like rashomon like oh. crazy stuff like that and i'm like man yes. if anybody leaves that th- if anybody leaves the theater like or our theater room that day like with, with any kind of like ah oh, that was boring i don't know what the hell to do <laughs> Dude, no, it's like I don't know how to, I don't know how, I don't know how to help you at that point. Yeah, I mean, you might, you may not like to watch movies with subtitles, but like watching an epic samurai films and not being like, holy shit, I can't understand that. <laughs> I don't understand it at all. It's, it's, it really is something. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny because like, you know, I'm also in film school. When he, about the subtitle thing, we have like two totally different like points of views because you know as a um, right. as someone who's in a french speaking uh school you know everyone's already used to, to watching movies with subtitles so even oh, e- even people that i know that don't usually watch a lot of movies a lot of foreign movies they already watch like either movies or tv shows on netflix in english with subtitles so they're already used to it mm. yeah yeah like I, I remember I, I talked to one of them who said the thing about the subtitles, and I was like, uh, I was like, well, you watch anime, right? And he was like, he was like, yeah, but that's different. I'm like, no, it's not. how is it? How is it I different? Like, <laughs> I think he said he said something about like how he's able to keep his attention with it better, which I mean, I don't understand, but sure. I don't under I don't I don't understand that. I don't understand it, but sure, whatever. I mean, uh, but yeah, no, I was talking. One of the people who was in that conversation was someone I didn't even know, and they're like, "I don't understand any of this." My one of my favorite movies is a German film from the fifties, and I'm like, "I like that person." <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude! Yeah, <laughs> that's someone I that's someone I can get along with. 
Hell yeah. It's not that I can't get along with people. It's no. not it's not that I'm a film snob or nothing. <laughs> of course. Like, it is it is one of those things where I'm like, you're not even gonna try it. Yep. Like come on. Mm-hmm. Like just watch a couple of them and if you really can't stand it then whatever yeah but i mean i think we already had like uh one or two episodes ago we had a conversation about like what are good foreign films to watch if you've never seen any oh yeah we talked about that uh last week right yeah because of the because uh, of the whole train to Basan thing uh-huh oh yeah right yeah i forgot they were doing that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, uh. So, uh, let's get back on uh, Harold and Mode. Um, Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, I need to talk about something. It's been... Sure. I have been mainly thinking about that since I watched the film, and especially while I was watching the film. It's just how much this film reminds me so much of Wes Anderson. I saw this is really funny yeah. to say that. I saw a really saw a really good review on Letterboxd after I watched the movie. Yeah. It's that's kinda what I do sometimes when I watch like highly anticipated movies that I haven't seen yet. Uh I'll just be like, Okay, what 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 are other people saying about it? My favorite review that I read yeah. was um <laughs> man, Wes Anderson really made this when he was two, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. or no i think i think it was it was, e- it was either that or like man wes anderson invented time travel just so he could make this movie or something yeah um it, no, and while yeah. it doesn't have some of like the trademark symmetry of wes anderson it definitely has the tone of something wes anderson yeah especially it's, i especially it's very it's very comedic mm-hmm. i in that i way. especially noticed it again the comedy that's like mm. Uh, I think we mentioned that in an earlier episode where we were like, do we consider Wes Anderson films as comedies or not? And I feel like it's kind of the same thing with, um, with Harold and Moe. Um, -hmm. I I do, I would say, I do think that it's more focused on comedy and it's easier to, 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 to consider Harold and Moe a comedy than a lot of Wes Anderson's movies. Yeah. I would say, though, um, yeah, like, Wes Anderson, either you have, like, you know, strictly comedy, like, Bottle Rocket, or you have, like, um, or you, or you have, like, stuff that's mainly drama-focused, like, uh, like, Darjeeling, uh, mm-hmm. or you have the blend of the two, which is, like, ro- your Royal Tenenbaums, or, like, most of his yeah. movies, um, but... Uh, I would say Harold and Maude is, yes, mainly, mostly comedic, but it's also not afraid to touch on, like, darker topics yep. in a way I've never seen a movie do it. Yep. Like, I've never seen a movie talk about life and death the way that this movie does with such it's, freedom mm-hmm. and willingness to talk about it. Yeah. It's like, it's really, it was really like, what's the word I'm looking for? It was just really like... Uh, just liberating i guess just to see it like talked uh-huh. about talked about it like this i felt i felt like i was seeing something completely new i'm like man that's so cool <laughs> yeah it really is it's also like um last year in one of my classes i had to make a uh an analysis on a film and i chose moonrise kingdom by wes anderson because i mm-hmm. i I'd just seen it and i thought why not and I ended up yeah. talking a, a lot about something that I noticed while doing that, which is how uh, how much Wes Anderson's character lack emotions. Mm-hmm. 
and I feel like up until, especially at the beginning of the film, uh, that's kind of like how Harold is. You know, he's very he doesn't he doesn't talk much. He's very he he likes emotions a lot, and he he's just sort of like blank uh, throughout a lot of the most of the beginning of the film. Yeah, that's I. I noticed that for sure, and mm-hmm. I just I loved seeing his, you know, emotional, uh, I guess, evolution from yeah. that, from that very like subdued stuff. And I mentioned this earlier, from the very subdued lines and stuff to just, in the end, very expressive and, uh, willing to like talk about stuff. Yeah, and I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I was gonna mention this a little earlier when we were talking about a. Uh, comedy and like comedic lines i think one of the funnier lines uh in the or i guess okay there's like three distinct things that uh like made me laugh or i i guess i'll just go down a line and mentioning yep. all the things that made go me ahead. laugh um i really i really liked the uh the uncle's gag of the yes. fact that he rigged his arm flap to salute which is hilarious oh the uncle in general is <laughs> um, a very funny character Oh, he is. It's really good. Um, after that, I would say there's there's the moment when uh, his mom brings in Harold's first like setup date, mm-hmm. uh, and Harold like is outside the window, and Harold like waves to him and smiles, uh, and then he like goes out into the field and just burns himself, <laughs> <laughs> and then the date's like freaking out, and then Harold walks through the door yeah. and is just like. All right, you ready to go? And she just freaks out and leaves. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's uh, there's obviously the whole thing with the cop and the palm oh, or like just the tree. It's it's that so stuff funny. Is incredible. It's such, Ruth it's, Gordon is hilarious. Oh my god, movie. her performance. I have never seen. I have never seen, uh, like in a performance from a you know like an elderly person with so much life in it. So much like it's so yeah. it's it's so much like youth. Yeah, from this like char- from a character that would usually be, you know, very kind of I don't know what's the word what's the word to use just kind of older I guess yeah yeah just like just so much power and like just I loved it. It's so fun to watch that kind of stuff. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. she's like driving the car and stuff all over the place, almost getting into wrecks. It's it's incredible to see that, um, yeah. but the last, the last part that I remember that made me laugh was uh, when Harold is telling uh, his mother, his uncle, uh, and or no, his, he's telling his mother, his uncle, his uh, psychiatrist, and uh, and uh, his priest that uh, he's getting married to Maud. Yeah, because uh, there's obviously the, the the mom and uncle like say stuff, and there's like. But then there's like, um, he gets to the therapist and he says like, uh, well, you know, there's that whole complex that Freud said that sons want to bang their mothers, yep. but usually it's not their grandmothers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then there's, uh, then there's the entire like 30 second or whatever stretch of dialogue yeah. uninterrupted from the priest. That's incredible. Yeah. It's because so he's weird. just like, just because he like he gets into such detail and he's just like sagging breasts <laughs> with your youthful body 
makes me want to vomit. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like, bro, you all right? It's so good. Oh, man. I was... <laughs> yeah, that got me pretty it's... good last night. But yeah, I... there's so much about it that I enjoy. From the very moment that the film introduces uh, Moan, I liked her just like that. Just how, like, oh, yeah. especially when she just steals the car and just, like, doesn't give a shit. And then at the last funeral, she, <laughs> yeah, it's really at good. the last funeral, it's like, ma'am, were you the one who stole my car last week? Was it the that car? Oh, then I believe it was me. And then she just, like, leaves. It's just, like, how she doesn't give a fuck is so great. It's so great, yeah. It's like... Um... <laughs> There's there's one last thing I had in my yep. notes that I wanted to mention. Um, I have always been a fan of when films kind of hide details in places uh, that aren't entirely noticeable, but you can still catch them, yeah. that kind of retextualize the entire movie. Okay. I am not a fan of the movie Blade Runner, but uh-huh. I really... I really enjoy um, the theory that the main character is an android, because if you watch the if you watch the theatrical cut, it makes no sense at all. But if you watch the final cut, there is so much detail in like certain places, and especially in the final scene, that shows like, hey, maybe there is more to this theory than you know it just being a dumb fan theory. Yeah. Um, but I'm saying that to say that Harold and Maud has one of these moments uh, because there is a scene, and I'm sure you, I'm sure you knew what I'm I'm sure you know what I'm talking about uh, before I brought up Blade Runner. But so Maud and Harold are sitting uh, near kind of just a body of water, uh, and they're both talking, uh, and Harold like accidentally like moves her sleeve up a bit and. For just just a couple frames, we see uh, a a barcode or like a a, stra- a string of numbers tattooed on her wrist mm-hmm. before she quickly readjusts it and the camera cuts away. Yep. Uh, which which you know for anyone that you know has taken a surface level history class would know uh, that the barcode on the arm was a thing that. Uh, Nazis did to uh, the Jewish people in the Holocaust, yep. which contextualizes that Maud is a Holocaust survivor, mm-hmm. which gives her, I guess, uh, motivation for being so full of life, so much more depth. Yeah, and I saw I saw a lot of I saw a lot of reviews of people saying that they didn't like that this detail was kind of covered up. And while I can kind of see why, mm. at the same time, I think there's so much power yeah. in not being in not even having to explain it. Yeah. Just showing it for a second and people noticing it and going, Oh That's there's why. so much Yeah. There's so much power in ambiguity that a lot of movies don't go with now. Cause just by revealing one visual detail like that you can set off so many things about what a character can really be about right. without even having to take a scene to dedicate your explanation to it. 
Yeah. Now, am I saying that the wor- that the movie would have been worse off for having that scene? Not really. No. I'm just saying I appreciate the fact that they didn't. I appreciate the fact that it's that it's a moment of like, oh, instead of like, oh, you know, I'm listening to her explain it because we don't need to. Yeah. No. You can have those. You don't have to explain everything about a character to understand what they're really about, and I love that. Yeah. I love that in this movie. Because it's also like uh, if they were they had went into more details about that. Uh, people would have labeled. I feel like people would have labeled uh, Mona as a Holocaust survivor, which is she is. But that's not the focus of the character. The focus of the character is Obviously that not. she's yeah. a very positive, opt- optimistic person who loves life. Why is she like that? Because she's a Holocaust survivor. But that this is not her person personality. You know. Yeah, but that but that's not the main focus yeah. of her personality, and I. I just love that. It's, I yeah. love, I love that detail so it's, much. And when it popped up in the movie, I knew it was. I knew that this movie was going to be something special. It's because I, I was like, oh my god! I'll, I'll <laughs> I was be, like, really? Yeah. Oh. I'll be honest. Like, uh, well, so this is my second time watching the film. The first time was like, uh, it was one of the one of the first films that I saw uh, in twenty twenty one, and uh, so I mm-hmm. saw in like uh, nine months ago. And uh, I'd forgotten about that part. I forgot that she was a Holocaust survivor. And then there was that scene. She sold, she showed the sleeve, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's Sprite!" I forgot. This makes it so much better. Yeah. I just I had such a moment of like yeah, like just like a, a instant like oh shit kind of moment. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "That's," I'm like, "That's incredible," mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. That's. Even that the director even thought to just like slip it in there for a second. Yeah, I, I don't. I've I've already explained why I think it's incredible, yeah. but I I feel like I can't say it enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll be honest. Like uh, I had kind of kind of the same thing with uh, when we watched uh, House, which is both of those mm-hmm. films are amongst my favorite films of all time. But they're also films that mm-hmm. I had only only seen once. And so I was afraid that by rewatching them, I realized, oh, I don't like them as much as I thought. Yeah. And I watched House and I watched Harold and Moe and left the film thinking, no, they're they're two amazing <laughs> films. They and they yeah definitely deserves to be in my top ten favorite films of all time. Of course, I the thing the thing I always do is that like. I don't usually rewatch movies so soon after I originally watched them. Um, But it's a different case when I see a movie that I'm like, this is really good. It might be one of my favorites. I'll like watch it again, like a couple weeks after that, just to make sure I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not just like, Oh, that, that wasn't just first viewing bias. No, this is really something special. Like I did that with, uh, with silent voice yeah. Um, I did that. It, like, And sometimes I won't even know it's one of my favorites until I've seen it again. Like yeah. uh, like House didn't click with me in the way it became one of my, like, one of the, one, one of the ones that, like, I consider a favorite yeah. until, like, we watched it for the episode, which was my third time watching it. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, this is, I was like, this is incredible. I don't know. Or, like, I know why. It was, it's the same thing with, um lighthouse that took yeah. me a couple viewings for me to like really really enjoy it yeah i feel like i have the same thing with the lighthouse because i only saw it once and oh yeah i have to see it more times but 
it's funny that you say that because I have a, I have in terms of my favorite films, I have a, a pretty different uh, way of thinking about that, which is the the way I realized my uh, a film is my favorite film is just by like so sort of thinking about it because you know a- anytime I watch a film, I'll I'll be thinking about it a bit after I'm done watching it for maybe a day or two uh, or something like that, but. The films that are in my top ten favorite films of all time are all films that they I, I kept thinking about them and I couldn't stop thinking about them for weeks, sometimes months, and you know couldn't stop thinking about them. I thought about them frequently. That's what I mean. But like you know, that was the case yeah. with uh, Harold and Moe, House, uh, Fight Club, those kinds of films. Um, the the you know I, I was like I'm thinking about this so much. It must be. Like, uh, must must be a reason uh, for that, and that's how like they become my favorite films. Yeah, I, um, I would say like it. It's not often that that's when I know that I found something like really special is when I've seen a movie that I know is going to be an instant favorite. Yeah, because that happened with Silent Voice. That happened with um most like recently i guess to the point where like i didn't even have to watch it a second time to know it was like a perfect movie was uh the first uh, kill bill movie because oh. i hadn't seen it i hadn't seen it yeah. until uh the start of my freshman year of college and i remember watching it and just going like this is everything i want out of yeah. this kind of movie mm-hmm. like i don't i can't understand why I would give this anything lower than like a ten out of ten? Like this is perfect. Yeah. Uh, but um, I had a movie in terms of like a movie that can't like get out of my head. When I saw um, her, like earlier this year, I uh, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Like for that entire week. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this movie has uh, has earned a spot in my brain <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, I loved, I loved Harold and Maude a lot. That was everything I had on my notes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think from, I guess it's funny because from the moment that you talked about this movie in your top 10, Mm -hmm. uh, I knew that this was going to be something that was right up my alley. Yeah. And I'm glad that. Or, like, I'm glad that I was right. Yeah. <laughs> because I, it's just such a moment of, like, uh, like watching it and just being like, yep, okay. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, I always... Whenever I show a film that I really like to to someone who hasn't seen it, I'm, I'm always kind of scared that they're not going to like it. And so I had that on the podcast uh, with this film and also when we watched uh, Memories of Murder. Uh, and I'm really glad that you like both of those films, because oh, of course, yeah, Re- it's a it's yeah. a, it's a safe bet. I'll, I'll I'll let I'll let you know right now. Mm-hmm. It's a safe bet uh, to assume that I'm going to like either uh, anything from Asian cinema or uh, anything that's really weird. <laughs> you know what? The, like it's you say that usually it's a safe bet. Yeah, you, you say that, and that just makes me think. That just makes me think. I like your taste. <laughs> well, I like I, your taste too, obviously, from ev- from everything that you've recommended. Hell yeah! 
because you know uh recently i sh- i i showed my mother uh the grand budapest hotel and she <laughs> yeah i mean you know she's not a, that much of a movie person she's more of a like tv show person and uh yeah. she didn't really like it that much uh yeah. not, not that she thought it was bad it's just not her her type of stuff you know which is totally understandable yeah. but it was it, uh, she she told me that i was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i inherited this i i would say there were two things that contributed to me being way too into weird stuff mm-hmm. uh is both you know my dad's taste in things uh and being raised on the internet yeah <laughs> just those two things morphed my entire like taste of what i enjoy yeah. mainly towards like crazy stuff like i i'm sure i've mentioned this before but i love nothing more yeah than when a director decides to take an idea to its absolute extreme yeah. in a way that completely works yep like it, it's and it doesn't even have to be directors it can be musicians uh it can artists be, like yeah artists like i recently listened to um uh this is completely off topic but i recently sure. listened to uh this uh internet artist uh, named poppy who okay. for a long time who for a long time did like regular like kind of like reggae or not like reggae but like some of it was reggae but just like pop music right just kind of stuff that was kind of riding the same wave of like what's i guess in the in the mainstream of music on the radio uh but for some reason in i believe it was 2019 she decided to do a couple uh metal albums oh. and i am as as a person who listens to music, I don't usually enjoy metal, but there okay. is something so incredible about those two albums that I was like, I can't ignore this. I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. I love how crazy this is. It's the same thing with uh, Death Grips, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is a which is a hip hop uh, band that uh, is famous for being just the most abrasive, crazy thing out there. Yeah. Uh, and it's and it's odd that I say that I love Death Grips because. Uh, I do not like the band 100 Gex. <laughs> right. I don't know if you've uh, if heard of those. I, I don't those know. Guys. I don't know that kind of music. Some kind of uh, stuff. It's so. completely, completely fair. Uh, because mm-hmm. I don't know. 100. I don't know what it is about 100 Gex, but I just. And I'm sorry if you're a 100 Gex fan in the comments <laughs> or just watching this podcast, but yeah, I, I can't. I can't get into it no matter how much my friends have tried. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to. to get back to my point i love crazy stuff and i love when people decide to take their stuff to the extreme uh yeah so that's why i like i think that's why i like harold and Maud so much Can, uh, is because it it relishes in that strange atmosphere of just being really off kilter for a movie made in the 70s um, just before we go into like uh, another topic, I just want I want to add something to your uh, yeah. to what you were saying. Uh, what you were saying about the uh, Poppy was that uh, the the name? Yes. Yeah, that was it. That was I uh, some, something kind of similar to, to that happened to uh, a YouTuber that I really like. I don't know if you know. Uh, he's a uh, YouTube musician named Jonathan Young. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He he's known for making um, covers of Disney songs, um, anime songs, that kind of stuff, uh, metal. And mm -hmm. uh, he's been very open for a very long time about how he's not that big a fan of making covers, and what he really wants to do is original stuff but he can because it's not he won't make enough money and at at yeah. some point he said fuck it and he made an album which came out in april of this year um which is a kind of like me power metal uh album about like uh, a, a sci-fi universe where people are flying in space and that kind of stuff which it, it's just like <laughs> I don't give a shit. I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to love it. And it's like, um, you know, it's not, it's taking itself seriously, but there's some pretty like comedic songs. There's a song that's with uh, Ninja Brian from Ninja Sex Party to, to give <laughs> you an idea. And it's like, yeah, it's, I, I, I've been talking about this album ever since it, it came out. Cause I, I've just, I love everything that it is, everything that it represents. And just in general, it's so good like it's amazing so i definitely recommend it to recommend that to anyone i'll have to give it a listen sometime because i'm i'm somewhat familiar with jonathan young's work yeah uh, i found him i found him through uh his covers of uh the jojo openings right and i uh i have his i have his cd that he made oh. of it uh and which is you know Obviously, uh, <laughs> obviously, off the idea that you know he doesn't really enjoy doing the covers because I think right. the covers were fantastic, but I completely, I completely commend him on you know going full force into what he really wants to do because ultimately yeah. that's that's what's going to keep you happy mm -hmm. doing creative stuff, yeah, or just in life really. <laughs> yeah, I feel like especially as a YouTuber, you have a lot of like restrictions of stuff that like you'd like to do but you can't do because of the algorithm and that kind of stuff and oh, of course like once you find i guess once you find your niche mm -hmm. and people start like really really watching you it can get to a point where you're just kind of like okay is this what i'm gonna do for the rest of my life yeah or should i try and break out of this mold to try and get into a better thing that i like doing mm -hmm. which uh most YouTubers are, some of them, like, I would say, like, half of them are able to pull off really well, and then some just kind of flounder off, like most of the uh, Minecraft YouTubers did. Yeah. Like, after after Minecraft had its heyday, kind of, it, it kind of, a lot of those Minecraft YouTubers just didn't know where to go, so they, they either kept playing Minecraft or they changed games, and neither of those things worked. <laughs> yep. It's, yeah, because... I feel like there's a lot... I mean, I watch a lot of, like, cover artists on YouTube, and I feel like a lot of them uh, have been starting to make more um, original music. Even I have been working a, a little bit about uh, some original music on my own, but that's going to come Ooh. out... That Just teasing a bit, that's going to come out, like, maybe at the end of the year <laughs> if everything goes well. Um, that's awesome. Fuck yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, but yeah, I feel like there's been this kind of like uh, wave of people just being like, "Yeah, fuck the algorithm. I'm gonna do what I want to do," and that's and that's so great. It's been so much fun to see. Oh, for sure. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, was there? I think I've I've definitely reached the end about what I want to say about there, Harold and Maude. There, Do you have any? Yeah. There's one last thing that I want. Anything else you want to add? Yeah, there's one last thing that I want to say, and it's uh, it's funny because I feel like it's I think it's the third time that I uh, talked about about this aspect of the film, uh, which is how Harold and Moan has an amazing first scene. Just mm, like I think I does. talked about that in Silent Voice, <laughs> and I think I also talked about that yeah. in Ex Machina. It's the, the, mm-hmm. the film shows uh, the, the first scene shows Harold just doing random stuff just like uh, doing some paperwork and that kind of stuff and then he just you, you don't yeah you don't even see his like face no it's just like pretty much following his feet throughout the entire moment yeah and so you, you just expect him to be like a normal kind of guy and then you uh, a normal guy in a normal movie but then you see him um, going on on a chair and then knocking down that chair and he you notice that oh he hung himself um so that immediately just like breaks your expectations and then uh harold's mom comes in and you'd expect her to be like oh no he's dead but then she's like oh harold you think this is very funny huh which is again just breaks your expectations and it's just uh, from the very first scene, Hal Ashby just shows like this is not your typical romance movie. This is not your typical movie. It's not gonna be. It's gonna be unconventional. It's not gonna do what you think it's gonna do. Get ready for it, which I think is great. There's so much, yeah. There's so much like you know misdirection of what you of what your expectations are yeah. or expectations are in this scene that it's it's kind of brilliant <laughs> in mm-hmm. the way that it's sequenced. Um, I guess one last thing, and in in, uh, I guess talking about that helped jog my memory about what I wanted to say is that, like, obviously I mentioned earlier about the, the detail of Maud's uh, tattoo, mm-hmm. uh, but I think the la- the the that what that feeds into to for me that I like a lot about this movie is that you completely understand the unorthodox things that these characters do mm-hmm. by understanding their like things that happen in their past because for Maud it's that small detail but for Harold it's revealed in the scene where he opens up to Maud and tells her about the time that he uh, you know decided to do a little experiment uh, in the in his chemistry class when no one else was there and he ended up making an explosion mm-hmm. which put as he said he put a hole it put a hole in the floor and he decided to just leave and go home, and he noticed his mom was at a meeting, so he just decided to go up to his room. Uh, but he he sees later that day that his mom, or that the police come and tell his mom that he's dead, and his mom seems actually affected by this, and the way that he puts it, it's like that's the only time. Or the way that I interpret it is, is like that's the only time that she's ever shown genuine affection towards Harold. So his, you know, his faked suicide attempts are just him kind of trying to chase that feeling until yeah. he obviously learns about how much he enjoys life from Maud. Mm-hmm. Which I think is just top tier character writing yeah <laughs> that you don't that you don't see a whole lot <laughs> mm-hmm. and i just i really 
Really enjoyed it. Yep. But yeah. Um, that's all I had to say about Harold and Maud. Alright. Uh, so. I think it's all for me as well. Alright. So did you have any uh, anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, just in general? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I could mention some of the uh, movies I've watched recently. Sure. Uh, I went to go see uh, uh, Shang-Chi and uh, oh. Free Guy in oh, the theater. Those are two films that I want to watch, but that I still haven't gone to, to see them. So how, how was that? Uh, Shang-Chi was really good, actually. Yeah. I was very surprised. Cause I heard a lot of great things I kind of... I kind of went into it because, like, I've become pretty disillusioned with Marvel movies ever since <laughs> Endgame ended. Because that was, like, to me, it just felt like that was what they were building up to, and that was a perfect payoff. I don't, like, if, if Spider-Man Far From Home doesn't stick the landing, I don't know where else they're going to go. Right. And in my opinion, Far From Home was okay. Like, it didn't really reinvigorate okay. me to the MCU like I was hoping. Yeah. Um, and that certainly wasn't helped with uh, the film that followed it up, Black Widow, which I thought was okay as well. Yeah, a lot of people I enjoyed, didn't like it. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I didn't really hate it too much. Right. Uh, or I didn't really hate it really at all. But um, the glimpse of hope that I had was within the, uh, the first few episodes of uh, the miniseries WandaVision. Which I don't know if you've seen or not. No, I don't really care about the 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 TV shows from Marvel. Do you care about Do you care about spoilers? Nope. Okay, so I like Wandavision quite a bit, actually. I like a lot of what it goes for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really wish it stuck to its uh to to the same kind of feeling it had in the first three episodes because the first three episodes rely on this entirely surreal way of storytelling and uh just presentation that feels so wholly original Mm -hmm. and really felt like something marvel never did before Mm -hmm. and i was like man this is so cool i hope the whole show's like this and then they start leaning towards more traditional marvel things like having a big bad guy that was behind it all or seeing what's happening in the real world while all this weird stuff is going on I didn't really care to see any of that. What I wanted to see was internal character struggles. I wanted to see, I wanted to see more of what was in the first three episodes. Which, if you know the show, or if you've seen the show, you'll know what I'm talking about. I, I really didn't like the fact that the movie felt like there needed to be a big bad guy for them to confront near the end, uh, instead of it just being more character driven. Like I don't know. I feel like it should have been, but. WandaVision gave me a little bit of hope, is the point I guess I'm saying. I still haven't seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier or Loki or the new What If. But, all saying that, I really enjoyed Shang-Chi and it actually made me think, you know what? Marvel might be be pretty good coming up here soon because Eternal's coming out and it's directed by Chloe Zhao and I'm excited to see that. Um, But yeah, I... What I mainly liked about Shang-Chi is I loved the um, I loved the fight choreography, which was very yeah. kind of like flow like kind of like fluid moving, very yeah. just kind of free. I saw a bit of that on very Twitter. Beautiful. 
saw a bit of that on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I thought it was like, like it, it looked really cool. The performances were actually really good, yeah. not just from Tony Lung, which we all knew he was going to be good. Uh, but even from, uh, oh, his name's escaping right now. I literally, I literally looked it up today. Uh, Simu Liu, uh, the Shang-Chi. The yeah, Simu, Simu Liu. Liu. Yes. Yeah. He was fantastic. Uh, even, uh, Aquafina as the, uh, female lead was really good. Oh, I didn't know Which she was I wasn't that. particularly, yeah, I wasn't particularly expecting it because I haven't loved what Aquafina's been in, uh, all that, all that saying, um, accepting, obviously, uh, the farewell uh, which came out in 2019, which was yeah. very, very good. Still have if, to see if that. If you haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I haven't yet. Oh, yeah. No, that's a great movie. Mm-hmm. I heard great things about but it. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, yeah, Aquafina was great, too. I just thought it was all around really, really solid and just a really nice, I guess, actual kickoff to where Marvel's headed. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see Eternals. I'm excited to see Doctor Strange. I'm excited to see the new Spider-Man. Yeah, I w- I'm excited to. I'm I'm finally excited again, which is uh, I, yeah. I guess is the point, which I'm happy about. Th- this is I-, I wanted to ask you about this since we're on the the whole Marvel topic, because uh, recently yeah. the new Spider-Man trailer came out, and a lot of people mm-hmm. talked about it on the internet. What do you think a- about that? Uh, I as much as I like to think that I'm not. Or as much as I like to think that I am, I am not immune to fan service. Yeah. So, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, a, a little, a little good part of me, a little part of me in my heart, really liked it when Doc Ock showed up and I heard the little Willem Dafoe Goblin laugh. I was like, "That's fun, like that's that's some good stuff." I'm not even one of those people that like really, really loves the Sam Raimi trilogy. I think it's okay. Okay. Um, but I, I still need I. Obviously, the last time I saw him was when I was a kid, so I do yeah. need to watch him again now that I'm older. We should make an but, episode about um, those films. I wouldn't mind that at all. Yeah, that'd yeah. be fun. I'd, I'd like to, because um, I certainly have but, some things to say about it. Of course. Yeah, no, I would love to do that. But yeah, yeah. I really liked, I really liked, obviously, their inclusion. Uh, the thing that'll get me, though, is seeing, uh, is when whenever we finally get to see toby mcguire and andrew garfield yep. back mm-hmm. even though i didn't really even enjoy andrew garfield's spider-man movies that much it still would be kind of fun to see him <laughs> yeah i i really enjoy what this movie is going for and i hope it sticks the landing i hope it really mm-hmm. pulls it off i guess because far from home was kind of a disappointment in my eyes okay so i hope I hope we get. I hope we get it back. I guess. Yeah, yeah I'm excited. I thought mm-hmm. the trailer was pretty all right. Yeah, because in terms of like superhero movies, um, you know, I I go on on Twitter pretty frequently, and so I see a lot of people criticizing the MCU and uh, saying that they're bad movies and that kind of stuff, which I don't agree with. But <laughs> it is true, right. uh, and I will say that um, I when when I watch a, a film from the MCU, I sort of like switch my brain off or not necessarily my brain off but by my because um, we all have one my films uh, my film snob side side i switch it up of course just so i don't like keep criticizing the film and i just enjoy it they're purely entertainment films and it's like you know martin scorsese yeah. was uh said how like those films are just roller coasters and my answer to that is yes 
how's that bad? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, see, the thing was about that whole Martin Scorsese situation yeah. that a lot of people took kind of like out of context is because he said, obviously, that it was roller coasters. That didn't really him. That didn't really necessarily mean him saying that he thinks it's all terrible. Yeah, of course. I just he was just like that's not what I said. <laughs> like I remember there was a great interview with him where he was like, I didn't say that it was bad at all. I just said that they were like amusement park rides, which he's right. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't say that it's entirely wrong to say that the MCU can't have like real quality in it. Of course. Because I mean, like yeah. uh, because like Infinity War is personally saying one of my favorite movies i've seen of the last like few Dude, years I mean, that have come out uh, i liked it a lot <laughs> infinity wars and endgame were two films that like i went to see in theaters uh the weekend that they came out and i was you know it yeah. was just this really big thing and like it, it, it felt so big i know that in many years, I'll still remember this as like how how great was that? Just those two weekends, one year apart, where I went to to watch those films, and there were just great moments where everyone was like, "Holy shit, this is so cool!" And I would it was such a it was such a cinematic event. Yeah, it was this. It really was like this generation's Star Wars, even though we had a, this generation's Star Wars. <laughs> it yeah. really it really captured that same feeling of like when i was a kid and my dad was showing me star wars for the first time and i was like man this is crazy yeah <laughs> and i mean i would be lying if i said that i uh wasn't emotionally moved by the end of end game i will say oh, i course. will say that i am gonna uh, i'm not i did i did cry i will say that i'm not mm-hmm. i'm not ashamed to admit it <laughs> but I, yeah i wouldn't i didn't cry uh-huh. but i was definitely emotionally moved by it and i had yeah. a moment of like that's exactly what they had to do i'm yeah. like that is it's... a perfect emotional climax Cause... for this movie i was like that is incredible see the... and i'm glad that they took the jump to actually do it the thing is that when uh b- like before infinity war came out everyone were talking about like with with what this is we it's certain that we know for a fact that at least one character will die. The question is who? Of course. And then the film came out and, oh, shit, everyone died. <laughs> Everyone's dead. <laughs> yeah. That moment, I, I will say, mm-hmm. out of my entire life of going to movies, that has to be in one of the top five moments. I, of oh, just being Because I was there opening night mm-hmm. for Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. So everybody around me was not spoiled. And we were all floored. Same. We were all like, whoa. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I, I remember, I still think that's one of the, like, gutsiest moves. It really that, is. Like, yeah. I guess that, like, one of uh, a, one of the biggest, like, cinematic franchises has taken in such a long time mm-hmm. to leave everyone on such a crazy note and not address it for a year. Yeah. How insane is that? Yeah, we, like that—that's never, that's never been done in yeah, that way before. It was like it's one, so incredible. One of the biggest cliffhangers in movie history, and we had to wait a year to know to know what happened. And it's like, it for sure they weren't gonna leave that, um, leave everyone dead because you know, 
Uh, of course I mean, not. We, Obviously, for example, we knew for a fact that there was going to be a new Sp- uh, Spider-Man film and a new Doctor Strange film, so that kind of ruined it. But yeah, um, no, like I, I don't think a single person yeah. who saw that in the theater, other than like children, thought like, "Oh no, they're really dead forever." Yeah. Uh, but, but like, the fact that it made you think, man. That's kind of incredible that they did that for even a little bit, though. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I loved... I love Infinity War still. I think it's probably my favorite MCU film. Yeah. It's a movie that, even without the context of watching any of the other movies, I can just kind of throw it on and watch the entirety of it, because it's just entertaining. Yeah, it really is, um, yeah. I really like... I really like the original Iron Man. Yeah. There's other films in the MCU that are great... You know, obviously it's not without its duds here and there, but it's, I th- I think they're fun movies. Yeah. Now, <laughs> the question is, what about the DCEU? Ooh, we could do, we could talk about that for a while. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I I'll, would say, yeah. I've seen, I've seen most of them. I, have I still not. haven't seen Birds of Prey. I still haven't seen Birds of Prey or Wonder Woman 1984. I'm not really, I'm not jonesing for it because I haven't heard either of them are very good. Yeah. So, uh, but I will say, uh, uh, so like my opinions on the ones that are, you know, in existence, I guess are, uh, uh, Man of Steel's not good. Uh, Batman v Superman is awful. Suicide Squad is genuinely one of the worst movies probably made in the last decade. Uh, <laughs> I would say Wonder Woman's fine. Shazam is fine. I really enjoyed... I enjoyed... Uh, okay, so the original Justice League's terrible. Yeah. I think that goes without saying. But I enjoyed uh, the Snyder Cut purely for the fact that it's an uninhibited crea- creative vision yeah. that actually took something... That actually took something that was terrible in provided so much to it towards an actual like decent film now i think yeah i, I remember um, like but bef- whenever we heard new things about the the standard cut we were all like what is that is it's four hours long it's like in four it's four third it's four hours long it's four by three and it's like and it's and it's like subdued colors like yeah. what the hell is what this is did, did he came think, out did he think he was making like an author's film for like the oscars no he's making justice league yeah and then it came out and i was like you know what that's not too bad yeah. <laughs> um but in terms of like movies that i actually think i'll watch again from the dceu i i rather enjoyed the uh the new suicide squad movie i still have to watch uh, that the james gunn one mm-hmm. it's pretty good it's a it's a fu- it's a fun time i'll say yeah like it's not it's not amazing or anything that's uh, I, but it's just it's just a fun time i mean that's what you, <laughs> i feel like that's what you gotta expect from a james gunn movie that's definitely the case with the yeah. guards of the galaxy I don't know. I still, I still legitimately love the first Guardians of the Galaxy oh, movie. Oh, they're great. Like, they're great like films. With, my, with all, with all my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as we were talking about earlier, or as I guess you mentioned, uh, with Marvel movies, you kind of turn off the film snob part of your brain. <laughs> you, uh, you have to. I, of course you do. But I'm saying like, I usually do unless I'm really hating it. 
unless I'm really hating my experience, then I'm like, all right, time to go right. full force. Um, but uh, the other kind of kinds of movies that like I initially turn off my uh, like film film snob part of my brain, but then it turns back on once I realize, hey, hang on a minute, this is actually pretty good. Is uh, every John Wick movie that I've seen? Yeah, which is all of them. Every time I watch one of them, I'm like, you know, this is just an action movie. I'm gonna turn my brain off, and then I'm like, you know what? This is kind of awesome. I'm gonna, yep. I wanna, I wanna take more. I wanna pay more attention to this. <laughs> you know, um, like I loved all of them. My my brother, I have a brother who really loves martial art films, and I feel like a lot mm. of martial art fans also like John Wick a lot because he hit those same chords. And uh, it does. They really do. And so for so uh, such a long time, uh, he he's been telling me like, oh, you have to watch John Wick. And before I did, I, at the time that I did watch it, I, uh, I I didn't have sort of like the respect for martial art films that I have right now. You know, I mean, of course, I really yeah. respected the work as a stuntman that, for example, Jackie Chan uh did but i still hadn't seen police story and that kind of stuff so i was i i, I was yeah. still a bit judgy about it and then i watched it I, I, you respect you respected it but you didn't really understand like how it can I, be good as I, an actual yeah film. i guess so and then he showed me john wick and i was like wait hold on this is really good <laughs> yeah. yeah so sometimes i like entire movies that aren't even that good uh just purely based on the fact that i think the action was really well done yeah. there's this movie uh there was this netflix original uh i think it was early 2020 that came out called uh, extraction with crims he- with chris hensworth oh yeah uh, it is it is not a great movie mm-hmm. on like any accounts but the action is stupidly good <laughs> for a yeah. movie like that like you get some really good fight scenes you get some pretty, like, honestly brutal moments where it's like, ah, oh, I didn't expect that to happen. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. it's, I was consistently entertained based purely off of the action alone, which I thought was pretty impressive for a movie like that. See, that's the kind of films that, like, I, I see the, the posters and everything, and I think, yep, my dad is going to love this film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I mean... You know, he did watch it, and I think he liked it, so that just proves my point, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know what this reminds me of? Do you remember... What's that? Do you remember The Expendables? Yes, I do remember how, The Expendables. How weirdly stupid is that? Like... <laughs> I mean, it's like... It's the biggest crossover in all of like action movie history it's i think the i think the idea is kind of cute <laughs> like the idea of like like gathering up like you know kind of kind of washed up action stars to do an action movie of their own the idea is fun i don't know if they didn't needed to do so many of them <laughs> I, I love i love to use the word cute like oh it's cute they tried the little <laughs> thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's that's honestly though how yeah. i how i would describe it it's just it's a cute idea it's like you know sure. that's kind of fun that's cheeky i mean it's like yeah <laughs> i'm criticizing it but at the end of the day the idea of having a film 
that has both Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting is pretty fucking cool. Oh yeah, it's an incredible idea. I still haven't yeah. seen the movie, uh, so Same. I can't really judge how it is on quality. But just the idea alone is pretty fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the concept, I guess. But um, I guess to to mention the other movie that I saw in theaters this week was uh was Free Guy. Yeah, which, how was uh, that? Uh, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. It's just not good. <laughs> oh really? It's okay. It's like it's like it's a solid. It's a very solid baseline, like five out of ten. Okay. Uh, I would say it was decently enjoyable. There were some parts where I felt like it kind of dragged, uh, but it had a couple gags that I thought were funny. The one thing I guess I didn't enjoy on it was uh, uh, and it does it does it a lot better than a lot of other movies of the of that nature where it's kind of fourth wall breaking uh like technology centered uh like emoji movie like. or stuff like that um are you but free guy i can't hear you I like free guy is really good you. with uh or I guess, okay the thing the thing i'm meaning to say is uh a lot of movies that are of that nature uh include a lot uh, and i mean a lot oh. of pop of pop culture references uh, and Free Guy does pretty well Hello? with it throughout most of it, but it's near the end, it just can't help itself uh, uh, without playing into some of those, you know, unoriginal like uh, or just kind of those ideas of like, all right, let's let's reference thing that everybody knows, and they'll and they'll all clap. In oh the theater. come on! Uh, but they did this. They did the like, they did like the really blatant one like twice. Which which was twice in the same scene as they did.
so like they he's he's doing this fight kind that's kind of like live streaming around the world uh and during the fight he pulls out uh like a lightsaber and a shield mm-hmm. uh and they kind of like like whenever the li- when when the lightsaber's pulled out it plays like the star wars sh- like sting where it's like uh you know you know what the thing is yeah and then uh and then it pulls out the Avenger, and he pulls out like a shield, which it turns out to be Captain America's shield, and it plays mm-hmm. like the bar, whatever. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the thing that kind of redeems the Captain America shield moment in my mind is they actually got Chris Evans sitting by himself in a coffee shop that it cuts to, and he's like watching the event on his phone. He goes like, "What the shit?" No <laughs> and then way. it cuts back to the action. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that's fantastic. Oh, like, that's funny. <laughs> Yeah, they turned they turned a really like weird self referential moment into like an actual mm-hmm. good gag. I was like, all right, that's fun. Right. <laughs> I feel like that's. But ov- overall, yeah. yeah, overall for you guys, like fine. I feel like this film had the same um, struggle that a lot of similar films have, which is like how to reference a lot of stuff, but not too much, so that the film isn't just that. Usually, my philosophy on that would be not to reference anything if yeah. you can help it, um, because usually it never goes well. But if you can do it and pull it off gracefully, uh, I mean, go ahead. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's so many movies that I've seen that have those moments in them, but they're just done so well that I don't remember them. So like, uh. You know, obviously, I think it was done well in this, or done well to a certain extent in this movie. There were still a couple moments where I was like, "All right, that's kind of unnecessary." Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was mainly what I wanted to talk about regarding that yeah. movie. It's well to give uh, to, to to mention another film that like has a lot of references and everything. Have you seen Ready Player One? Yes. All right, I. Have not, but I read the book. <laughs> um, oh yeah, because it was like, I think two years ago, I, I w- wanted to, to read more. I wanted to read before I go to sleep because I, uh, so so I could, uh, I had like um, some trouble going to sleep, so I thought that would help me. So I started to, I, I went to a store to pick up a book to to read, and I picked up Ready Player One, and um, a, a lot of people didn't like the film and critics were like oh Steven Spielberg making a bad film and everything let me tell you the book's not great to begin with <laughs> like honestly the book is okay yeah I'm so glad you said that right. because I have read I've read half the book myself uh-huh. and I can agree fully <laughs> yeah it's it's that's an example of a film that's like too too, there's too many references and it's like the the, the film and the book um did they need the references too much they like they're dependent on them to, to tell the story which is yeah it really is like the way it really is written it's like so i pulled out my computer and started watching some seinfeld yeah. or something like that 
it's literally like that. Yeah. Like everything about the movie is like, oh, and my and my Buster Sword from Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Or something and it's like, like that. Oh, they're it's in the exactly year, like that. They're in the year like fucking twenty forty three, but they're everything they're consuming is from the eighties, of course. Yeah. Which is, of course. Which is just Dang. stupid. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and. <it's, laughs> <laughs> so like yeah i think it's really funny that we mentioned this because like uh i've been wanting to talk about this but no one i know would find it like at all funny okay uh it's just like when because recently i don't know if you saw this but um ernest klein the author of ready player one came out with ready player two uh he which did? is a sequel to yeah to ready player one and uh I did not read it for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I saw screenshots of some pages online, uh-huh. and it was something else. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So, um, I guess just okay to get into my opinion on the film yep. Ready Player One because I've I watched it a little while back. It, it it really doesn't. It feels like it doesn't have a leg to stand on. Yeah. Uh, on its own, right? Because it's just it's just really bland. Uh, and it's really kind of predictable in the way it's written yeah. to the point where I was, I was watching it with a friend, uh, and he had seen it before I had, uh, and we were watching it and there's this part in the, like the second act where he's trying to find, uh, the second clue, I guess, to the, uh, was, is it like the, to, to the Easter egg? Is it the, the key he's looking for? Was that it? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, all I all I know is it's a it's a sequence that takes them to see uh, the Shining. Oh. It takes them to like the world of the Shining. I don't uh, think that's and... in the book because they I know they oh, changed I, I know they changed a lot of stuff uh, from the the uh. book and the movie. So I don't think that, that was in well, I mean, in the book. Well, I mean, good because it doesn't yeah. really amount to much. Um, but the. The funniest thing about that entire uh, sequence where he's, like, trying to figure it all out is I figured it out in, like, a second. Because hmm. I just went, like, oh. It was, like, oh, okay. The clue is, like, it relates to, you know, the you know the, the author or the developer of the game and uh, his long-lost love going to go see uh, a movie uh, in the 70s uh, or, or in the 80s, I'm sorry, uh, on their first date. And and I went, oh, they were in the because oh, like the movie at that point is like kind of referencing like like oh okay it's a horror movie I'm like oh they're gonna go see The Shining, like that or it's like they went to go see The Shining so we're gonna have to go into the world of The Shining and my yeah. friend was like what the hell and I was like and I was like what you or he said he's like what the hell how did you guess that and I was like <laughs> I wasn't supposed to like was that supposed to be a surprise <laughs> I was like really, but there's also okay there's also the part which I'm, a lot of people have shed some light on in terms of criticism is that uh the uh the main girl Artemis uh she ha- in real life she has the scar on her face yeah and she has like the backstory of like of like nobody nobody like the scar on my face oh i know where we're so going I, with that i yeah i led to i led to online shut the hell up because even with the scar the character is still beautiful it's like like if you the, 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 if you really wanted to if you really wanted to do it like try and yeah. I, I don't know I'm not trying to say, I'm not saying like try and make her unattractive I'm just saying make it like, bigger 
Make it more yeah, obvious. make the scar, make it more noticeable. Make it doesn't don't make it just like oh, it's like a little like a mark on her face that's like kind of noticeable, or like it's not even that it's not even that having it be not noticeable would be a problem. It's just it. She looks fine. Yeah, I don't think anybody would care. <laughs> it's and it's the there's it's the same a, thing. It's with such the, a weird moment. There's the same thing with uh, the main character who like in the book is uh, described as like being fat. Which he's not in the film, <laughs> and it's like, come yeah, he's on! So he's like, he's like slim and kind of buff in the yeah. film. It's really and it's funny. It's like the, the classic Hollywood thing of like the their hero has to be heroic and muscular, and the uh, you know he he can't be ugly. He has to be. He's the hero. He has to be good looking. Yeah. The, the 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 secondary character who's just like there for jokes. He can be funny. We can hire Jack Black for that. You know, that's a classic uh, Hollywood thing. Yeah. The thing. The thing with. Um... The thing with uh, that kind of character thing as well is it's the same criticism that I have for uh, the Amazing Spider-Man films Mm -hmm. uh, because, uh, like, he's playing his character. The Peter the Peter Parker character in those movies is like an attractive hipster loner dude. Yeah, Uh, that's not Peter Parker. I feel (laughs) like, like to me, Peter Parker is that like. Like before he gets the powers and he gets like and starts getting confident, he's just some nerd who's just like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. I could never, I could never, I could no, I could never go out with a girl. Uh, but uh. like, but then you see Andrew Garfield and he's all hot and he's walking around. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm so mysterious. <laughs> not to say that, not to say that Andrew Garfield's bad in those movies. He's oh, not. No. He's good. He's just not playing the. He's just not playing the right character. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I, I see that problem a lot in like a lot of modern movies where it doesn't really match the original intentions, I guess. Not to say that Ready Player One's intentions were all that good to begin with. Um, right. But, <laughs> but I'm it just is, saying. Yeah, it is a pretty bad <laughs> book to begin with. Yeah. There was this video I watched, um... Relate. This is relating to Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. Where someone talked about how uh, how Hollywood doesn't really understand the Iron Giant anymore. Yeah. Because um, yeah. Because the Iron Giant's used in like so much stuff, and he's always like just messing stuff up. That's not the point of the Iron Giant. No, or, like of the movie not. at all. If you've seen the movie, the Iron Giant, it's a very overwhelming message of peace. Yeah. <laughs> So it's such a, it's such a funny moment to see that kind of stuff just kind of come up in in movies and it's like oh the Iron Giant's messing stuff up it's like that's not what he would do no <laughs> but yeah <laughs> that's Ready Player One yeah it's not great <laughs> it's not great no oh man <laughs> yeah um. That's, I'm trying I, to think if there's any other I've, interesting I've, movies I saw recently. Yeah, well, I feel oh, like yeah, that. Go ahead. That maybe a tangent that you know I mentioned that I, I read the book and everything. Do you, do you read books in general? Are you the kind of person who reads books? <sighs> I'm trying to get better at it. Man. Yeah. It really, it really does upset me because when I was younger, uh, like I'm talking like much younger before I became a teenager. Yeah. I would read books like all the time mm-hmm. like i would just i would just like knock out books here and there or just like I, I, and then i just like i i think it was like sixth grade 
No, no, no. Uh, it was like seventh grade was when I really started to slow it down. In the eighth grade, I just stopped altogether. Yeah. Um, but I've been trying to get back into it. I've been reading manga a lot recently. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I read a lot of JoJo last year. I read Silent Voice, obviously, recently. Uh, I'm trying to get into B-Stars, Junji Ito, and Love is War. Yeah, I gotta get into uh, Jun- Junji Ito, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I, I'm reading Uzumaki right now. It's incredible. Oh, I have to. Um, yeah. uh, but uh, in terms of, like, actual literature, I guess, if you wanted to call it that, um, there's this yeah. book I've been wanting to read since, like, early 2019 called uh, House of Leaves. Okay. And it's a... It's a very unconventional uh, horror story uh-huh. that I love. I, I read like the first uh, 100 pages or so. I loved what I read. Mm-hmm. And then I just stopped for like a year. Yeah. And I tried to pick it up like this past year and I just like, I couldn't. So I'm, that's like, I think that'll be my New Year's resolution if I don't start reading it by then is to finish House of Leaves. Yeah. Because it really does. It just, it disappoints the hell out of me that I've been, that like, I just, I, I, I used to be able to do it so much when I was younger, but I haven't like actually read a book cover to cover by my own volition in a long time. Yeah. Like obviously for class, I've read like To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, The Disaster Artist, uh, Mm -hmm. Fahrenheit 451. Like I read those on my own, uh, but it's been so long since I did it without a reason, yeah. <laughs> I guess is the, so I'm really kind of disappointed in myself for that, but I, I'm trying not to beat myself up about it and just get back into it. Yeah. I, I cannot have the same <laughs> How about thing. You? Yeah. I cannot have the same thing. We're like, yeah. um, well, so as I said, at the beginning of 2019, I bought ready player one thinking that I was going to read more. Uh, mm-hmm. and then it took me a year and a half for me to read ready player one entirely uh yeah it took me a long time and then right after that i read the i read the hobbit which only took me mm-hmm. a summer so i'm pretty mm. happy about that um it's good yeah it was it was good um and then i i was uh for a long time i wasn't reading anything until i started reading uh alice which is the book that i mentioned in the house episode which is like this weird yes. um like Alice in Wonderland novel and I still have like 150 pages left to read out of like 500 and I've been reading this book since like March and honestly it's like I do not want to read it's not that I don't want to read it but I'm just tired of reading it so I just decided to take a break and like two weeks ago I started reading Fahrenheit 451 and I Mm. couldn't I read 30 pages I read for like 30 minutes and then I I stopped for the day, and then I never went back to read it because I was like, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't want to. Fahrenheit four fifty one is a is a fine book. Yeah, it's just not all that entertaining. Sure. I yeah. really, I really, because there's it was like a it was like a semester of high school, uh, that I had to read two books. Mm-hmm. Uh, for two separate uh, book reports, which I loved writing book reports. It's just like writing a movie review, but it's about a book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, I I read Fort Fahrenheit 451, which was fine. I didn't really love everything I read. It was just, it was decent, and I liked some of the imagery that it would 
kind of like instill in my brain. Uh, but I also read The Disaster Artist, which is the yep. story, uh, you know, cataloging the uh, the making of Tommy Wiseau's The Room. And I thought that was an incredible book. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I really enjoyed reading that. So I should, you know, kind of, I should hope to get back into reading, I guess. Yeah. Because I have like, what, what, what books do I even have down here? I have like, I have like, obviously House of Leaves. I have Catch-22. I have like all these great books that I bought, like thinking I was going to read them over the past like five years. And I just haven't. Yeah, I've gone. Well, so I personally have obviously I have all the Harry Potter books, which uh, mm-hmm. I've already read. And actually, I'm using uh, four of those books to to mount my monitor. That's pretty fun. <laughs> really, that's pretty great. Yeah, because my monitor I, is like pretty low, so uh, I had yeah. to use them. I've got um, Ready Player One and The Hobbit. Obviously, I've got. Alice and a few other books by the the same author that I'm gonna have to get to at some point, and uh, yeah. I also have Dune because I I got yeah. it I got it to prepare myself for the, the the film, thinking oh I'm gonna read it before the film that yeah that's not happening, it's yeah. eight it's eight hundred and thirty pages I'm not doing that, yeah that's I'm not lot. I'm not reading eight hundred and thirty pages by the end of October that's not happening. I'm hoping the all I'm gonna do to prepare myself for the new Dune is just watch the old Dune because I haven't yet. You know what? I will do uh, that, and I I'm also gonna watch. Do you have you heard of the documentary J- Jodorowsky's Dune? No. All right, let me tell you about that. Um, so do you know about a director named Alejandro uh, Jodorowsky? I feel like I've heard the name. He's a Chilean-French filmmaker who is known for making very, very weird films. He right. His most famous film is a film called The Holy Mountain. Oh, yes, I've, I've heard of that one. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he makes weird films. That's kind of his thing. And at some point, I don't know when, but at some point... Uh, I think I think it was before David Lynch. He was supposed to make an a, an adaptation of Dune, uh, but it ended up not being made because it was like too, it was too much and like it could, it, 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 it was just too crazy of a film to ever be made. And in 2013, uh, some people made a documentary about uh, the the pre production of Jodorowsky's Dune from the moment where he got the opportunity to make it up to when it was canceled. And I haven't mm-hmm. seen it, but I've heard things about it. And it seems like the most fucked up thing. I think it was supposed to be like six hours long. What? Yeah. Oh, I'm adding. Yeah. I am adding this documentary to my Dude, watch list. Yeah, no, I'm now. definitely going to have to watch it. <laughs> it seems actually insane. <laughs> And it's like, uh, there's oh a lot of people saying, oh yeah, I saw, uh, like, the cast, was, there was supposed to be, like, Orson Welles, that kind of people, and it's like, oh my God. yeah, yeah, <laughs> and a lot of people are saying, man, I wish this one was being made, uh, but then a lot of people answer saying, like, no, you, when you really think about it, it <laughs> probably wouldn't have been a, a great film, 
it would have been just too oh much. Too, been too long, too much information, too much stuff. Oh yeah, there was also also supposed to be Salvador Dali in the cast. That is that is an odd choice, but I respect it. That no, um, that's actually yeah. I yeah no so like the fact that that could have existed really intrigues me. So I I do I do want to watch that documentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to watch both that and uh, Dune, but or uh, Lynch's Dune before. Yeah. Uh, how do you say how do you say his name? Uh, Jodorowsky. Oh. No, 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 no. Uh, the, oh. The one, who, the one who's directing. Uh, Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Okay. Yeah, that's oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, most people Thank say you. Denis Villeneuve, which is like, yeah, it's fine. Denis Villeneuve. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm gonna, uh, I, I haven't really seen, I'll be honest, like for as, as much respect as I have for David Lynch and how much like I love who he is, I've only seen one of his films, which is, uh, Eraserhead. Mm. And uh, I have also only seen one of his films and that's Blue Velvet. Oh, I have to watch that one. Yeah. Cause I watched it so I could write an essay on it in oh. my first semester of college. Which, it wasn't an essay in the traditional sense. It was just me analyzing a single scene of the movie through uh, the different shots mm-hmm. and uh, camera work. Which I, which I analyzed the beginning, which is a, it's a really good opening scene if we're talking about... To, to you know add on to our list of incredible opening scenes. Yeah. I do need to see the rest of uh, his stuff, though. So I've added... I, I think all of those are on my watch list. Mm-hmm. And uh, f- funny enough, uh, my girlfriend, who is not a film major, is taking a film class right now at her college. Oh yeah, nice. Uh, and one of the, and one of the movies they have to watch is Eraserhead. Oh nice. Uh, <laughs> and when she told me that, I kind of chuckled, and she was like, "What?" And I'm like, "Have fun." <laughs> <laughs> um, you... All right. If you're on David Lynch, I have to ask: Have do you know about his yes. YouTube channel? Yes. I love I love oh my YouTube God. channel. Oh my God! It is it's, it's the most absurd thing I've ever seen. It's so cool. For those, I love it so much, but it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. For those listening to the podcast, I'm I'm assuming that most of you guys will know who David Lynch <laughs> is. If you don't, uh, just a quick information: Eraserhead, the thing that we were oh. talking about, is his first film, and also was Stanley <laughs> one of Stanley Kubrick's favorite films of all time. So just saying that. He, yeah, if that, if that tells you anything. <laughs> yeah, just... He, he's really good at his job. He has a YouTube channel where he does two things every day. The first one is a, a weather report. Just a quick, like, two-minute-long weather report. He's um, like, it's a sunny day in, in California. <laughs> and he, like, kind of always says the same thing in every video. <laughs> It's, it's very similar. Yeah, very but similar. He does it every day. <laughs> and the the <laughs> other thing, which is even more absurd, is number of the day, which every day <laughs> he has. He's got like a jar of uh, like uh, balls with like numbers from one to ten, and each day <laughs> he picks a number. It was like this is the number of the day. It's like oh, today's number is number four. And then it's like oh, today's number is number seven. 
And it's like <laughs> seven. <laughs> and it's like, dude, I've been following his YouTube channel for like a year, and every time I see the notification, I just go, you know what? David Lynch is out there doing his thing, and I'm the world is better for it. <laughs> but plus, like, he's been doing the weather report thing for a long time. Oh yeah. Yeah, like, he's been, it's. It really is, like, to think that th this is, like, one of the most acclaimed filmmakers of all time. And he's incredible. I, I love him. Just in general, like, he's such a weird guy, and I love him so much. Yeah. Have you ever seen... This is my favorite David Lynch movie. Have you ever seen... Or moment. Have you ever seen the, the interview he had? He had I, where, yeah. like, he, he said something, like, he said, like, uh, you know... Eraser Heads my, mo my most... Uh, uh, my, mo my most philosophical yeah. film. And the guy goes, care to elaborate? And he just goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's the greatest thing yeah. that any filmmaker's ever said. Oh, man. He's... He <laughs> just, no. I also love, like, just the the obsession that he has with his actors, like, that he has with... Uh, uh, yeah, like Kyle MacLachlan. And uh, uh, Laura Dern. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Laura Dern. <laughs> it's like... And it's not... Uh, I, I feel like a lot of... Um, some directors also have that kind of stuff, but in a very like unhealthy stalker way. If it's absolutely yeah. not the case with him, it's really just a question of he admires those actors that he works with. Yeah, it's and it's just so. It's like uh, in a very in a very different way. Yeah, or it's just it's kind of like how uh, Wes Anderson appreciates like or like puts like Bill Murray, Owen yeah. Wilson, Luke Wilson, and like. Just like a, that cast of characters into everything he does. Yeah. Uh, or it's kind of like how John Waters worked with uh, uh, Divine. Uh, what was it? Gorgeous. Oh yeah, Divine. Divine. Yeah. For like, yeah, Divine for like every movie he ever made. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, um, I mean, any interview that I've seen about David Lynch talking about uh, Cal McLaughlin or uh, Laura Dern is so sweet. Because it's it like, is, it really you really is. see how much he admires them. And it's like, oh, It's... Honestly, it's like, it's really funny to... How much, like... he's he, His films are so weird. But at the end of the it's day... Like, it's it's uh, it's damn near demonic yeah, at times. It's but, like such a fever dream. But at the end of the day, his films are such... Uh, he, he's, he's like such a sweet old guy. He just seems like such a sweet man. Yeah. I'd love to talk to him. Oh man, dude! <laughs> I think he's. I think he's just let's, so cool. Let's have him on the podcast. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I would love to have David Lynch. Oh, that man. would be. I feel like that would be the peak of yep. our show. Is if we had David Lynch on the podcast. Would you say that that would be the twin peak? <laughs> uh, oh, I see what you did. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I would love that. Uh, Seems to be getting to that time where we should uh, pick next week's movie. Yeah, I guess so. All right, let me pull out the randomizer. Can I just I just googled John Waters to like look up something, and I found out that he had a show that was called John Waters Presents Movies That Will Corrupt You. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, and it's like I'm really curious to see what what films he talked about. Um. <laughs> I'm looking at the I'm looking at the name and just from the titles, I only know one film, which is uh, 
Irreversible, which is a uh, Gaspar uh, Gaspar Noe film. Uh huh. Yeah, which is like, yeah, I believe it. And uh, I love him. That's 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 the best thing I've heard all week. I've never uh, I've never <laughs> seen a film from him, but uh, definitely on my watch list. I I still haven't either. I yeah. still. I, I I really want to bust into his stuff uh, on the Criterion Collection, like Female Trouble and stuff like that. Uh, oh, I was talking about right. uh, Gaspar uh, Gaspar Noe. Oh, Gaspar Noe, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've only I've, I've seen Female Trouble and that's it, but it was pretty good. I have not I have not seen any of uh, John Waters yet, it's, but I'm excited too. It's something, but yeah. <laughs> so, All right. Yeah. All right. Let's do the randomizer. All right. And next week's film is Punch Drunk Love, directed by Paul <gasps> Thomas Anderson. Fuck yeah. You know what? This is great. I've been wanting to watch uh, a Paul Thomas Anderson film for so long, and I still have not. Really? It's like, <laughs> yeah, because I feel like uh, so many people talk about him all the time and talk about his movies so much and I still haven't seen any of them and uh Pondron Club pretty much is the film that I'm no- the most curious about from um from his filmography because it seems like it was mm-hmm. he was the only one who saw Adam Sandler as more than just a stupid comedy actor it's true it's really like this movie like like obviously uncut gems was the movie that made everyone go adam sandler can seriously act yeah but punch drunk love was the the uncut gems moment before there was uncut gems. yeah and i saw um, but speaking yeah but yeah go ahead yeah i saw an interview uh it was like a uh press conference uh at a, at a film festival where they presented punch drunk love when it came out and someone asked uh, P.T. Anderson why he he chose Adam Sandler and he basically said like because he's a fucking good actor which is true he's really he's he's good no, yeah it's like, when, when he's he really give, tries he's really given the right hole when he really tries he can be really good it's true yeah. and we're and we're obviously we're gonna see that next week yeah um but one thing I wanted to uh, to mention you said you hadn't seen any Paul Thomas Anderson. I've really only seen a couple, and that's Boogie Nights and uh, obviously Punch Drunk Love. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not seen There Will Be Blood, and obviously, much like much like my film major classmates, they'll be very disappointed in me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's next week's uh, movie, and I'm very excited because uh, yeah. this is one that I uh, this is one that I own on uh, Criterion. Is I picked mm. it up during the sale. So I was very, I I still haven't. I think, no way. I watched the first like, ten minutes of it, like a couple months or like before I moved. I watched like the first ten minutes of it, but I ended up going to bed. Mm-hmm. But I'm very excited to rewatch it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, thank you everyone for watching this episode of New Movie Dudes. Um, so if you liked it, you can subscribe to the channel so you can watch uh you can uh know whenever we release uh, another episode which is usually every friday um mm-hmm. and so yeah you can also uh subscribe to our own youtube channels which will be in the description as well as our twitter and our letterbox if you're curious to see what kinds of movies we've been uh, watching lately and yeah yeah thanks uh, uh yeah one one last thing i guess i'd like to mention is uh Spotify is in the works. <laughs> oh, really? 
We're still I I I've been researching how to get it uh how to get it all done. It seems like it could be a little bit of a process, but uh it's, it should be soonish. I really yeah. I really do hope to have the this stuff on uh, Spotify. Hell yeah. Uh, before we reach 10 episodes. Cuz like what what That's my Yeah. That's my personal goal, but <laughs> cuz like once we get to to Spotify, it's like we we really are a podcast, you know. It's true. I've never had a podcast on Spotify. Same. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, but thank you for watching. Yep. And we'll uh, we'll see you uh, next week. Mhm. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.